Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. Several years ago, gosh, I say several, it's probably 20, 21 years ago, 22 years ago, uh, I preached a message. It was the first message I ever preached. I preached it on a Wednesday night. My pastor, Pastor Myron Greer, was a bivocational pastor. That means that he worked a full-time job and was pastoring the church. And he was a truck driver. And there were times where he would call me like on Tuesday and he said, hey, I'm stranded someplace. You've got Wednesday service. I'm like, uh and didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. You better be instant in season and out of season. So the first time he ever called, he said, uh, he said, you got the service Wednesday night. I was like, okay. I didn't have much time. And I prayed. I said, Lord, what do you want me to teach on? And the Lord gave me a word. Don't give Satan the satisfaction. That, that message was about 15 minutes long. I offended half the church. Uh, I got done. Pastor called me into his office uh, Saturday. He got back in town. He says, I need to see you. And I came back in. And he said, let's talk about that message. He said, it was good. He said, the scripture was good. But there were some things that I said that I will not repeat right here just because my wife won't let me. Um, and, and, but I began to study it. And over the last 22, 23 years, the Lord continues to just give me more and more and more. Uh, my son has tried to get me to write a book. For the last three or four years, he said, Dad, you've got enough information to write this into a book, and I'm just not an author, I'm a preacher. And I've been here a little over a year and a half, and I've talked about it, and the Lord's not released me. But here about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Lord said, now's the time. And the Lord released me, and since then, I've probably edited this thing at least a half a dozen times, if not more. As a matter of fact, I just ran back to Julie a minute ago. I said, hey, we need to change some things. She's like, right now? I'm just telling you what the Lord tells me, and, and we're going to go with it. But I was at a church. I had a guy invite me to go to a church up in Kentucky uh, probably about five or six years ago. I was an evangelist for 14 years. Guy calls. He says, man, I've heard a lot about your ministry. I've heard you preach online. He said, would you come to my church in Kentucky? I said, listen, I have gospel. We'll travel. My wife has asked me not to say that anymore because of some of the churches that I've taken her to in some places. And, uh, but we went to this church up in Kentucky, and we walk in, we meet the pastor, we sit on the front row. He comes up, and he greets everybody. He says, How, how's everybody doing today? He said, I hope you had a good week. And uh, he said, I'm just going to tell you, he said, the devil's been kicking my butt all week. I looked at my wife, and I said it out loud so he could hear me. I said, honey, go start the van. We're getting ready to leave. We're in the wrong church. And he looked over at me sitting on the front row, and he got surprised. He said, well, brother, I said, listen, brother, I said, I don't know about you. I said, I don't glorify the devil. I said, the devil's been kicking your butt. Maybe you need to get saved. He looked at me and kind of laughed. He went ahead and let me preach. I never did get another invite, but he did let me preach. And I'm going to tell you, the, the problem with the church today is we give too much glory to the enemy. He is a defeated foe. Jesus overcame when he conquered him on the cross. The Bible says he went to the grave, he went to hell, he, he descended, he snatched the keys. Now, I don't know how you read your Bible. I'm just going to tell you how I read mine, okay? This is the Tim translation. 
He smacked him, snatched the keys, and kicked him in the butt and said, I won. You say, well, my translation doesn't say it that way. We'll get another translation. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He overcame. And we don't need to be glorifying him. But I hear people all the time in the world and in the church, they'll get a back pain. Well, the devil's after me. No, duh. He's after everybody, but he, he will not get me. The blood has been applied. You get sick, and we blame the devil for it. Most of the time, it's our flesh. It's things we've done wrong. We're on the wrong path. We're, on, we're getting ready to start a healing school here in a few weeks. We'll talk about some of this stuff. We need to quit giving the devil the satisfaction. We live in a fallen world. Things are going to happen. But we don't give the devil the satisfaction. Amen? If you go with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, we'll start right there. Genesis 4, verse 7. Now, while you're finding Genesis 4, verse 7, first book of the Bible, fourth chapter, seventh verse, Adam and Eve, Adam was created in the garden. Eve was made from Adam. It's Adam and Eve. It's not Adam and Steve. We believe in male and female. They were in the garden. God told them specifically, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He gave them specific instructions. The serpent came, the devil, and he asked Eve, he said, did God really say? See, that's most of our problems is we don't really know what God said. I'm going to get preaching here in just a second. Like I said, I didn't come to offend anybody. I'm just, you know, you need to know what God says. Well, how do you know that? Well, come to church, read your Bible, pray. Come to church, read your Bible, pray. Come to church. And you'll know what the word says. So he asked Eve, he says, did God really say? Eve says, well, you know, I, I didn't really hear him. And so she partook. Then she handed it over to Adam and he partook. Instantly, God came down. They were in sin. They had to leave the Garden of Eden. They had children. Those children were now born into a sin place. There was no sin until that point. But they were born into a sin place. There were two sons, Cain and Abel. They had grown to, to be grown men. They were both out working. God asked them for an offering. So he goes and he says this, Genesis 4-7 to Cain. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Let, let me say it this way. It says sin, but we know it's talking about the enemy. And we need to understand on the other side of this door, there is no doorknob. There is no doorknob on the other side of this door. There's a push. This is an emergency door. You can only get out, but once the door shuts, you cannot get back in. Everybody with me? The devil is crouching at the door. He's on the other side of this. He's asking to get in. We have a, a glass that we can look through, and we know that it's not of God. The only way the devil can get in is if we open the door. Sin is crouching at the door, but we can overcome it. We have the ability to rule over sin because of Jesus. 
Amen. Father, I pray that you be with me. Help me to say what you've laid on my heart to say. Anoint my tongue as the pen of the ready writer. Anoint my lips to speak forth the oracles of God. Help me, Lord God, to say in love what's on my heart. Lord, I pray for each and every one that's here this morning. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them today. And I'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to spend some time discussing some things that I've noticed in the church body and I really believe that are detrimental to each and every one when it comes to living the victorious life. In order for us to live the victory, we need not give the Satan the satisfaction. Quit giving the devil the satisfaction. Quit giving the enemy all the glory. We need to start giving glory to God, who all glory is due. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. Not everybody said, let's try it again. Everybody say ignorant. Of his devices. The only way Satan can take advantage of you is if you're ignorant. Now, I didn't say you're stupid. I didn't call you a bad word. The Lord spoke to me in 2019. I was preaching a revival at a church, and the Lord told me, he said, my people are ignorant. I didn't really get it. I started studying. I went back, and the Lord began to deal with me over the next year, year and a half, about how the church of Jesus Christ today is ignorant. We, we have a lot of these pastors. I got a, a, an email this past week telling me, so Pastor, I was watching your podcast when you were talking about freedom and you were talking about sin, and I believe that, that you are a modern-day John the Baptist. I took that as a compliment. I hope she wasn't talking about my clothes. <laughs> but we have a lot of preachers out there that won't preach truth. They want to preach these messages. They want to pat people on the back. They want everybody to feel good. And I want you to feel good, but the reality is I want you to understand what the Word says and not be ignorant. Because if you don't know what the Word says, then the enemy can creep in, and the enemy will ask you the same thing that he asked Eve. Did God really say? Well, I don't know. Then he will take advantage of you. If you don't know then he will take advantage of you. If you don't know what sin is, then you'll probably end up in it. If you don't know how to live the righteous life, then how are you ever going to get there? If you don't know how to be born again, how will you ever get born again? Romans tells us, blessed are the feet of those that take the gospel. We understand that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more you hear the Word, the more you read the Word, the more you pray the Word out, the more it gets down into your heart, the less likely you are to be ignorant of His devices. He cannot take advantage of you if you already know the truth. The Apostle Paul gave us a warning to not be ignorant in order not to be ignorant, we need to make ourselves aware. Now listen, I am not a builder. I'm surprised my wife didn't say amen. Pull out a white hanky. 
I am not a builder. I told you that a couple weeks ago. I was telling you about how I shot a nail through my finger trying to build my daughter's bookshelf. I'm not a builder. But today we live in a great age. I don't know how many of you guys in here have figured this out. If you haven't, I'm going to help you out so you can look like a hero to your wife. YouTube it. You can rebuild an engine off of YouTube. So we don't have to be ignorant. We can find anything. My wife said something to me the other day. She said, well, I wonder about this. I said, don't wonder. Google it. I thought she was going to throw something at me. But we can find so much stuff on the Internet. But the, the deal is we got to find the truth. Some of us depend more on the Internet than we do the written word. How many of you have your written Bible this morning? Hold it up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. For the rest of you, I encourage you to get one. If the power goes out and the battery goes dead, that written word's still going to be here. If we don't put it on the screen, you can still follow me. So we, we need not be ignorant of his devices. We need to be aware of what the Bible says. John 10.10, most of you can quote this, I hope. If you can't, here it is, John 10.10. The thief... The devil, Satan, the enemy, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's only got three purposes. To steal, to steal the life that God had intended. To destroy all that God had planned for you and to kill you. That's the only thing he has intentions for. But if we are not ignorant of his devices... If we understand what the Word of God says, if we are aware of the promises that are made to us, then Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life is a life that overcomes. The abundant life is a life that is free from sin. The abundant life is a life that is free from sickness. The abundant life is a life that is free from poverty. Well, pastor, if you only knew my life, I know his promises. I know what the word of God says. And I stand on the word. Storms come to all people. Listen, we're all going to have to deal with it. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. But he who builds his house upon the rock, he who is aware, shall not be taken advantage of, shall not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. I played foot, football for many years, and I, I still love to, to watch football. I love college football. And, and, and if you know anything about certain football teams and certain football players and certain football coaches, they will spend literally hundreds of hours during a week watching the team that they're getting ready to play. They will study them. A, a, a good quarterback will study the opposing defense for hours and hours and hours to get to know their schemes. They say, well, I'm, I'm not much of a football player, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. Boxers. Boxers will watch hours and hours and hours and hours of film on whoever they're getting ready to go up against. They'll, they'll watch his style. They'll try to look for his leads. 
Does he put his left foot forward before he does this? Does he step in with his right? How does he bob? How does he weave? What does he do? They watch for hours so that when they get in the ring, they know his devices. It can be baseball. It could be soccer. It could be anything like that. Military leaders. This is a military town. This is a military community. Military leaders will study, and they will watch, uh, they will watch films. They will read books. They will, they will look at news. They will do everything they can to try to learn the enemy's schemes so that they're not caught off guard. They know what artillery they have. They know what weapons they have. They know how big their armory is. They know the, the points that they could come in. But when we're ignorant and we're unaware, that's when we're in trouble. The more we learn about our enemy, the better we're going to be. So I'm just saying all this as a lead-in. This is not a devil-worshiping church. This is a Jesus-worshiping church. We worship the God, the Father of creation. We believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are a Pentecostal work. I believe in healing. Hallelujah. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe that God still does miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe that I'm an overcomer. So I say all that to say this. This morning, we're not going to get as far as I wanted to, but I want to teach you some things about your enemy. You need to know who the enemy is. If you don't know who the enemy is, how are you ever going to put up your defenses, have the knowledge to ward off their schemes? So who is this thief? Who is the devil? Who is Satan, that we should not give him the satisfaction. So we need to know our enemy. This is what we know based on the Word of God. Number one, he was named Lucifer before the fall. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nation. Lucifer. Lucifer was an angel in heaven. He was one of the archangels. He was the worship leader. He ain't even going to look at me. Can't even get a reaction. He was the worship leader in heaven. But he thought he could take over. He tried to scheme on the one that already knew his schemes. And him and a third of the angels got kicked out. They got cut down, sent out of heaven. Number two, he was the perfection of wisdom and beauty. Ezekiel 28, 12 says, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He's wise. Remember in Matthew, Jesus gets filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit of God leads him up into the wilderness or up into the mountain, whichever translation you're reading, and he was tempted he fasted and prayed, and he was tempted. And the devil began to speak to him. And the devil says, listen, I know you're hungry. Why don't you turn this stone into bread? He's pretty wise. Jesus looked at him and said, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus is wiser. So he takes him up to a further. And then what's he do? Then Satan begins to quote the word. He says, well, if you'll, if you'll cast yourself down right here, he says, he says the angels look over you. Jesus said, yeah, but I know the word better. I'm not going to tempt the Lord. He says, well, if you'll bow down to me, 
I'll give you everything you need. You won't have to go to the cross. He says, I'll worship only the Lord. Him only will I serve. Listen, we need to know the word. Jesus knew the word. He could not be tempted by the wisdom of the devil. Do you understand this, church? He was in heaven. He knows the word. The Bible even says that many say, well, I believe in the Lord. Even the devil believes and trembles. You need to know more than just believing. You need to know what the Word of God says. Number three, he was in Eden. Number four, he was adorned with precious stones. And number five, he had great musical ability. Look at Ezekiel 28, 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. He is a created being, just like you and I. He was created. God gave him everything that he needed. And yet he went in to try to deceive Many are deceived today. We, we, we get our eyes on the glitter and gold. We get our eyes on, on all the things that the world wants to promise instead of getting our eyes on the things that God promised. He was in Eden. He was in the place of perfection. He got in. Listen, if you don't know this, I said this a couple weeks ago, if you don't believe this, let me just tell you, it's true. He is still in the third heaven trying to, to convince God what about her sin? What about his sin? He's the accuser of the brethren. He went into Eden for one purpose, one purpose only, to try to scheme God's creation and cause them to fall. He was adorned with precious stones. Listen, the Bible says that he was a serpent. I don't know about you. I don't like serpents. Only good thing for a serpent is a shovel. But I'm just wondering... What did that serpent look like that Eve would even pay attention? See, sometimes we get this, get this in our idea that, that he was a snake. You know, all the kids' picture shows him wrapped around a tree and slithered. I don't believe he was. I believe that he was, when they say serpent, they're talking about his attitude, not his looks. Because the Bible says that he was adorned with jewels. I bet he was, he was handsome to behold. And he came in as the only reason Eden paid, Eve paid him any attention. And it says the workmanship of his timbrels and his pipes. We know that he was a musician. We know that he could sing. But I bet he could also say some things to get you to listen. You ever been around some people and, and they'll say, oh, I'm a Christian. And they'll, they'll say some things. And boy, it sounds like they really have some knowledge. But they'll twist that stuff just enough. But if you know the word, you can tell where they're missing it. I get around people all the time. Oh, yeah, man, I believe in God. Yeah, I, you know, I go to church. I remember my wife told me one time, correct me if I'm wrong, the first person that ever gave her a Bible was the guy she smoked pot with years ago. You laugh. But how many people are out there? I, I used to tell the ladies that went through our Teen Challenge Center. We used to call them Johnny Hot Pants. I said, because the first thing that's going to happen when you graduate this program, you're saved. You're baptized in the Holy Ghost. You've been reading the Word. First thing that's going to happen is this good-looking guy, he's going to come up, he's going to start talking to you, and he's going to say all the right things the wrong way. Or maybe all the wrong things the right way. 
Oh, I, yeah, I love the Lord too. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. I'm a prophet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love Jesus. I love you. Hey, God knows our hearts so we can sleep together. It's okay. Cut the head off the snake. Do not fall to his lies. Number six, he was an anointed cherub of God. Ezekiel 28, 14 says, you are anointed cherub who covers, I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. What was he doing walking back and forth? Job said he was walking back and forth looking who he could accuse, trying to find someone that he could bring down. What about your servant Job? God laughed at him and said, go ahead, try. Take it all. Can't take his life. Now, I've said this before, and you can disagree with me, and if you can prove it, come see me. I'll, I'll look at it. The devil can wreak havoc in your life. He can turn your life upside down. He can try to destroy your life, but he can't take your life. God gives life, and God can take life away, but the devil can only mess it up. He couldn't touch Job's life. All he could do was mess it up. Number seven, he fell because of pride. Ezekiel 28, 17 says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of splendor. I cast you to the ground, and I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. He was, he was cast down because of pride. Listen, don't get too puffed up. I learned this a long, long time ago. There's somebody that can do it a whole lot better than I can. I asked the Lord when he called me into ministry, I said, Lord, you know a thousand guys that are a whole lot better speakers than I am. He says, yeah, but if they would only tell the truth. I may not be the greatest minister. I may not be the greatest preacher. I may not speak eloquently, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I know pastors, man, they can get up in the pulpit. They can make everything rhyme. They can give you four Ps for every problem. But you've got to preach the truth. Do not get full of pride thinking that you're the only one. Number eight, he attempted to steal God's throne. Isaiah 14, 13, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. Number nine, he wanted to be like God. Isaiah 14, 14, he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again for the new people. Probably say it again so you guys can get a hold of it. You need to understand this. There's two things I'm 100% sure of. There's a lot of things I think I'm pretty for sure of, but there's two things I'm 100% sure of. There is a God in heaven, and I'm not him. And if I had to add another number three to that, neither are you. There is a God in heaven, we're not him. The devil wanted to try to be like God, but he is not. Number 10, he possesses intelligence. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear lest someone as a serpent deceived Eve by his, by his craftiness, so your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Do you understand that the gospel is a simple gospel? I see two people shaking their heads. The rest of you are going, I don't know. The gospel is a simple gospel. 
I've heard it said, I don't know if it's true, if you're a teacher in here, maybe you can agree with me or not, if anybody's an educator, but they say that the, the King James Bible was written on a fifth grade level. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I can tell you the gospel is a simple gospel. Let me tell you how simple it is. God good, devil bad. Pretty easy. Don't sin. Live for Jesus. It's a simple gospel. The devil had intelligence, and he wants to try to manipulate. Number 11, he possesses memory. Matthew 4, 6, it says, And I said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against He was in heaven. He knew what the promise was. He knew. If you think for a second, this, this is where the ignorance comes in, because if you think that Jesus didn't come until the, to the Gospels, you missed it. He was there in the beginning. He is God. He was there in the beginning. When God created, the Trinity was there. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were all there. He knew from the foundation of the earth what was going to take place. Satan was there. He remembers when God said, listen, there's coming a day where you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to, you're going to bruise his head with your heel. This is the deal. I'm going to keep angels. They're going to be around you. Because what happened after those days where he was fasting and praying? It says then angels came down and began to minister to him. The devil has a memory. Number 12, he possesses a will. 2 Timothy 2.26 says that, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. What is his will? I just told you. To steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, we got drug addicts, drug dealers, we got pedophiles, we got, we got people in politics that are trying to twist the truth. Abortion is okay. Liar, pit from hell. Homosexuality is okay. Liar, pit from hell. We're trying to take little boys and little girls and we're trying to tell them that they can be something else and have a surgery. You are who God created you to be. And yet we've got people, his will is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to use people that are ignorant, that don't know the truth, to convince other people to fall. Number 13, he possesses a desire. Luke twenty-two thirty-one 31 says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. If he's going to sift Peter... Who, who said and confessed, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus looked at him and said, my father revealed that to you. And upon this rock I'll build my church. If you think Satan is going to come in after Jesus already declared that I'm going to build my church on this rock, and he says, I want to sift Peter, don't think that you're beyond sifting. 14, as I already mentioned, he possesses pride. 1 Timothy 3, 6, he's, he's not a novice that's being puffed up with pride. He falls into the same condemnation as the devil. If you get full of pride, you'll fall just like he did. Number 15, he possesses wrath. Revelation 12, 12 says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath 
because he knows that his time is short. Listen, when he tries to lift his head up, when the serpent tries to come to you, all you need to do is remind him, your time is short, buddy. It's just a matter of time. You've already been condemned to the pit. I just laugh. When he starts knocking on my door, I knock back. Your time's short. You might want to go knock somewhere else because you ain't getting in here. You think George is hot? Hell's hotter. <laughs> His time is short. Number 16, he possesses great organizational ability. And I left this one 16 for a reason. Look at this, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Now the serpent expressly says that in later times, in latter times, in these times, some will depart the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from food which God created to receive with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. There are people that tell you that there ain't no sense taking communion. It doesn't do anything today. Lie. There, 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 are, there are people out there, ministers that out there, there are people that call themselves ministers of the gospel that have large churches, and they'll tell you there's more than one way to heaven. There are people out there that, that, that have large congregations. They can call themselves whatever. There's a politician that likes to call himself reverend, but he says that there's nothing wrong with abortion. Let me just tell you, he's going to go to hell if he doesn't repent. There are people that are being deceived in these times. There are people that have itchy ears that are listening. So why are we spending so much time discussing Satan? Because I go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, is that so you are not ignorant of his devices. we got to have knowledge of who our adversary is. If you know your enemy, you can overcome him and be more than a conqueror to every temptation. John 10.10 10 tells us that he's come to destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that you would have life and have it more abundant. I didn't get as far as I wanted to get today, but next week we'll pick it up on number two. Number one, you need to know your enemy. But number two, you need to know his devices. You need to know what his devices are. Do you understand that this word has it laid out for you? Everything that you need to know is right here. I just told you 16 points of who Satan was. I could have went on and showed you more. 16, we should know who he is. I'm going to share with you some of his devices so that you know what they are. There is no reason we should walk into this world and be deceived. Don't let people lie to you. Go ahead, come on up there. Next week we'll talk about his devices. And one of his devices is we need to learn how to guard our thoughts and our words. I told you, the first message he ever gave me when I first preached was don't give the Satan the Why? Because I was a new Christian. I was, I was new, newly baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I would hear people in church that would say, you know, you know my back's hurting, boy, the devil's kicking my butt. 
I would hear people say, you know, well, you know, the devil's trying to do this. The devil. I would hear people in church constantly exalting the devil. And I got so upset. I'm like, Lord, is that really what we're supposed to be doing? And the Lord spoke to me. I said I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Just, 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 just so you understand where I'm at. Share it and get me later. I'll be grounded, okay? So I preached this message, and I was looking at that congregation like I'm looking at some of you who are sitting there staring at me going, really, you're preaching on the devil? And I was telling them, and, and I could just tell they weren't getting it. And it came into my mind, a movie that I watched years ago that I should have never watched. But God brought it back to remembrance because all things work together for the good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And God knew how to speak to me because He can speak my language. And I'm a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And so there was a movie years ago that came out called Heartbreak Ridge. How many of y'all saw that movie? Don't raise your hand. Put your hand up. Jesus. Just kidding. But that came back to my mind because there, there was a young Marine. Clint Eastwood took over this troubled team, this troubled unit, and he was trying to train them to be warriors. And his methods were a little unconventional, but he was teaching these guys to be Marines. And there was one guy standing on the fire line, and he holds his weapon up, and he's pointing it down the line, and he says, Gunny, I think my gun is jammed. And, and Clint Eastwood grabs his gun, and he shoots right down the fire line and almost hits this colonel. And this colonel don't like Clint Eastwood anyways. He's trying to get the old man fired. So the next scene you see is you see this, this platoon they're running this way, but the guy that did that, he's running around them because he's being punished. I know what that feels like. I was there once. So he's running around. He's got his M16 over his head, and he's running around the rest of the platoon while they're running this way. And he falls down, and he says, I give up. And Clint Eastwood walks over, and he snatches him up by the back, and he whispers in his ear. And that guy gets up, and he says, yeah, and he takes off running. The colonel didn't like it because the colonel wanted him to fail. And the colonel walked over to Clint Eastwood and he says, Gunny, what did you say to that Marine to get him to do that? My wife's eyes were already big. She goes, are you going to really do this? Hear me. Hear my heart, not my word. Hear my heart. Because Eastwood looked at him and he said, I told him not to give the prick the satisfaction. We give the devil too much satisfaction. We got too many people in churches. We got too many people that call themselves Christians that give too much glory to the devil. My God is a conqueror. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. I will not give the devil the satisfaction. If you're sick, we'll pray for your healing. If you've got a financial need, we're going to pray for abundance. If you come to me and say, Pastor, my, my finances are in shambles. I think the devil's trying to rob me. I'm going to ask you, are you tithing? Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm sick in body. I went and talked to Brother Wade all day at the hospital the other day, and he was sitting there. And now this brother, I'm telling you, the doctors are coming in, giving him diagnosis after diagnosis after diagnosis, and he just smiles at them. They're like, sir, this is not funny. He says, oh, I know it's not funny. He says, I just know who my healer is. 
We need to change our words. We need to change our thoughts. We need not give the devil the satisfaction. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia, or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.